won't stop firing! I think I'm being followed. My dad is turning green, like, literally green. My last nav check put me on the range point four. This is Control, we are radio. Keep calm, and remain on the guard frequency. Greetings sits and sieves, you're tuned to the guard frequency. As all good pilots know, when you're out in the deep black, you want to keep one ear on the guard. This is episode 97 and was recorded on November 13th and made available for download Tuesday, November 17th over at guardfrequency.com. I'm Lennon. I'm Jeff. And I'm Tony. And what do we have this week, Tony? In this week's Squawk Box, we find out which way the wind is blowing and how much it blows. In CIG News, we bring you everything that's happening around the UEE, including our weekly crowdfunding update, 10 for the Chairman Episode 69, and the latest episode of Around the Verse, with the hint of Reverse the Verse thrown in, and then the latest on Star Citizen Alpha 2.0. In Nuggets for Nuggets, we sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. And finally, we tune into the feedback loop and let you join in the conversation. Suits and Sieves, you can help us bring you more of the show you love by visiting our website, guardfrequency.com, and clicking on the Patreon button. For the low, low price of $1.25 per episode, you can become a backer and get access to the unedited recordings of the show a whole three days before our Tuesday release. Of course, we're happy to share our labour of love with you each week free of charge, but it's nice to get the occasional concrete reminder that folks out there in the verse love listening to the show as much as we love making it. We want to thank the folks that have already chipped in and hope you consider making a regular contribution, and we hope that those of you who are making a regular contribution continue to do so through the format change, because after all, the more support we get, the better show we can make. Well, that takes care of the housekeeping, so let's get on to the show and see what's coming through the Squawk Box. Any of you boys need a carrier around here? Uh, everything's under control. Switch to normal. Crypto, 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 this is Tony saying welcome to the Squawk Box, everyone. Well, the weather for the whole area will continue much the same as has the past few days. Temperature 17 centigrade, that's 49 Fahrenheit. Winds will freshen later tonight to southwest for 6 or 7, and there'll be showers, sometimes heavy in many locations. Oh, sod it! I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a weather forecaster. I don't want to rabbit on all day about sunny periods and patches of rain spreading from the west. I want it to be a space weather forecaster! Observing planet-wide atmospheric patterns, predicting winds in excess of 5,400 miles per hour, that's 8640 kph, using Doppler imaging techniques at interstellar distances to gaze at the swirling film of gas shrouding an alien planet from its mother star. With my best buddy by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. Well, I'm, I'm not going to sing, but... If you've ever had dreams of being a space weatherman, you're in for a nice hot cup of reality check. As in, reality's checked in and said you can do that. Like researcher Tom Loden at the University of Warwick. Using the transit method of exoplanet observation, he was able to detect a tiny Doppler shift in the upper atmosphere of planet HD 189733b, which I will hereby also name Nimrod. The team was able to detect and quantify the blue-shifted light passing through the planet's atmosphere on the west side of the planet and a commensurate red shift on the east side. A little bit of fancy math to correct for the expected rotation speed of the planet, and uh, hey presto, all we need is a green screen and some cheesy graphics to give those Weather Channel clowns a run for their money. 
Now, don't get any ideas about going on a live remote there anytime soon, space weather forecasters. No, not only is Nimrod at 19.3 parsecs away, that's about 62 light years, uh, but the cameraman's union rep's going to have a problem or two with the working conditions there. You see, the forecast for Nimrod is going to be a high of about 1800 centigrade, that's 3200 Fahrenheit. Winds will freshen during the west at force, uh, uh, oh god, uh, let's see, uh, 8.64 times 10 to the 6 meters per second divided by 3.6 times 10 to the third. Square that, take the cube root, uh, divide by 0 0.836 and... <clears throat> Uh, force 214 or 215. You'll want to use the chin strap on your hat, folks, and don't even think about opening an umbrella. Our very first space weather forecast. Yeah. How about that? And it's it's a lot better than I expected, honestly. It's quite incredible that they can read it from 62 light years out. This is one of those hot Jupiters, right? So it's 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 big. Right, yeah. It's close into its star, so it uh, it orbits pretty rapidly, so they're able to get a lot of observations from it. So, you know, it's one of those sort of like, this is the definition of low-hanging fruit when you're going to try to do this. But the fact that they've done it and made it work and can show the math, that's yeah. pretty incredible. And they've said essentially that they've got, they're refining the technique and they really just need to find a, a rocky planet candidate to try this out on. So, I mean, the, this, the techniques they're using could work on habitable type planets in you know, the Goldilocks zone. So. Well, I have an idea with that. I don't know what the weather forecasting is like in your part of the world, but over here, it's a little lackluster. Let's just put it that way. So mm. maybe the first rocky planet they could try this on is Earth. <laughs> yeah, sure. Like, you know, send, send a satellite. We got uh, New Horizons. Just point the New Horizons. At, uh, probably got the wrong kind of instruments on it, though. Yeah, that's true. But you would also get to rename the whole planet Nimrod. I could, I could do that now for all the good it does. It only counts on this segment of this show. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm shattering any illusions you have about me, Lennon, but I, it's just for the purposes of this show that I've named these things Nimrod. I'll tell you what, then. To make you feel better, when we get the actual full Star Citizen Universe, I will host a Star Citizen Universe, and I will rename all the planets Nimrod. <laughs> no, no, no. If, if they've got cool names, they don't have to be renamed Nimrod. I just don't like things being called, you know, numbers and letters. It's just, it's, it's, it's boring. It sounds, it sounds bad. Come up with a name, even if it's Steve. Steve. Yeah, I could deal with it. Yeah. Planet Steve. I could deal with that. I'll be all right. So presumably Steve is his first name. Nimrod is the surname here. I could could be Steve Nimrod. You could have families of planets. No, no, no. It's all bullocks. I tell you, it's not space weather forecasting. Space weather forecasting is cosmic storms and nebulas and, and you know, Jupiter 2, Jupiter 2. This is space command. Look out. You're going to be eaten by that wormhole. You know, that that's space weather forecasting. What you're talking about is exoplanet weather forecasting if you're going to call a thing a thing then call it the right thing yeah tony i get what you're saying lennon's problem was that weather forecasters in general where he lives are kind of lackluster because england essentially has the same weather all the time in kansas where we have killer tornadoes that's not really a problem so like jeff your example of jupiter 2 there's a big giant wormhole we have those guys here and you should see them when the tornadoes start firing up oh they're so excited the jacket comes off, they're working their shirt sleeves, the tie's a little loose in the collar, the sleeves are rolled up, and they're like, got another bulletin from the weather service. Okay, people in this corridor, you need to take cover. I mean, they're just like, they're stoked. So I get what you're saying, Jeff. You know, the, the exciting stuff, the nebulas and the wormholes, well, we haven't found any of those yet, so we can't measure those, so we can't go up in front of the green screen and gesticulate in front of the map. We have to settle for sunny periods and patches of wind for now. 
If that's truly the case, though, don't tell him about Force 214 to 215, otherwise he's liable to take someone's eye out. Yeah, probably so. (laughs) Have you read, seen, or heard something you think might be interesting to other citizens or civilians? Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Let's check out some CIG news. 3175 Port Bay, hands on approach, checker screen, call the ball. Don't get technical with me. Our crowdfunding update for November 13th, 2015 is 94,300,000... That is about the same number that we read last week. Uh, Star Citizens now number 1.043 million, of about 4,000 from last week. And the UEE fleet is at 783,000 ships, which again is about the same number we read last week. Chris Roberts returns to answer questions in 10 for the Chairman, episode 69, and shed his unique light on the direction of the game and the status of production. As we are getting closer to the launch of SC Alpha 2.0, some of the information was repetitive. He discussed mission generation and the universe server for the persistent universe as well as CIG's marketing strategy, hangars in 2.0, and a broad idea of how ship-to-ship comms might work. Despite that, there were a few questions that generated new and interesting information. Commodore Fly asked about the requirement that shields be up on a ship before it enters quantum travel and how that might be circumvented. Putting another nail in the coffin of the game Tony wants, Chris confirmed that they're hoping to make that sort of thing part of the electronic warfare aspect of the game. It would theoretically be possible to hack into a ship's system and disable their shields in order to prevent them from quantum travel. The alternative method of just physically get in the way is still valid and will likely be the only available in 2.0 on release. Related to the above, Hardwired asked about the speed of ships in quantum travel. Despite invoking the ED term supercruise, which Chris was quick to point out is not the same thing, the chairman said that speed in quantum travel is not automatically 0.2c for all ships. The quality of quantum drive you have installed in your ship and the mass of the ship will influence one's quantum speed just as it does combat speed. He said it was very possible a large stock cargo ship may only get up to 0.1c in quantum travel. On the other hand, he slyly hinted that the Banu or Xion might have drives that can maybe push that 0.2c barrier. Another related question by Folka asked about quantum travel distance limits, and the short version of the answer is that distance is based almost entirely on available fuel, aka make friends with Starfarer pilots. Citizen Vacation was concerned that NPC gunners on ballistic turrets would just blow through all of their ammo in the first 15 seconds of a dogfight, but Chris said that the AI of the NPC gunners would be intelligent enough to be aware of what type of weapon they're using and adjust their firing patterns accordingly. He didn't address whether the quality of the NPCs hired would influence their behaviour as well, but you know, that's a factor that could be considered. And finally, Aiden Feskin asked about the possibility of encountering friendly Vandal in the verse. Chris basically shot that down entirely. He says the Vandal want humans for resources and target practice. That said, he did add that exploration and research in the Persistent Universe may reveal some backstory to the Vandal's culture and motivations. It won't help in trying to negotiate with them at all, mind you, but you will rest assured in the knowledge that you aren't being killed by a race of one-dimensional villains who are just attacking you because the devs decided so. No, no, they'll be attacking you because the devs created a fulfilling and wonderful backstory that gives reason and rationality to their murderous rampage across all time and space. Which, I don't know about you, but that helps me sleep easier at night. No, It does. When I, as I murder dozens of them, yes, yeah. my, my conscience is at rest knowing that they're not simply, you know, target practice for me. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a mutual I, I, I target practice. Yeah, so some pretty good information overall there in episode 69. And again, a lot of it was repetitive because of how close the Persistent Universe is supposed to be to launching. But Tony, what are your thoughts on the hacking of being able to take down the shields, which will then potentially start? Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's another one of those sort of world-building things, right? You let the people that write the fiction build whatever world they kind of want, but you just have to... Basically, I only have one demand, and that's consistency, right? If you're going to write a rule, have that rule work all times and all places, because it's a rule. That way, it's something sort of you can count on. Even if it doesn't make any sense, it's still a rule that everyone who logs in agrees that... It's like suspension of disbelief in the theater, right? No, I don't see the the wires hanging Peter Pan from the ceiling. We're all going to pretend they're not there. It's that sort of thing. Okay, you know, when we hit the quantum travel button, our speed will fluctuate between point one and point two. Okay, fine. Hacking is not a thing you can do unless you have some sort of physical contact with the ship. Like with darts, you know, hacking darts that you shoot and fire into the ship. Okay. Well, except if you want to hack their shields and take them down. Well, to be fair, I didn't. I, I thought that that was left a bit ambiguous. So I still think that there may be the need to fire the uh, the hacking missile, the hacksile, towards them, and at least make that have contact before you can then remove. Yeah, part of that's the shield. Okay. So yeah. yeah, I mean, if that's the rule, then that's cool. I mean, that that's fine. I mean, what I'm not a, a super fan of again is letting other players dictate the game experience that you're going to have. I'm not a big fan of that. As long as the whole you know, paper, rock, scissors mechanic for the large cargo ships who want to get away uh, you know, if they're in a safe spot that they, they they have the clear opportunity to get away and they have maybe an advantage in getting away. Structure so that it takes a real skilled pirate to take down a large cargo ship in a protected area in the time allotted before the police response gets there or something like that. As long as it's all built in a paper, rock, scissors kind of a way that somebody that doesn't want to play that sort of game doesn't have to. That's fine. These are minute details I don't think we need to be focused on at this juncture in the game development. I mean, yeah, it's information that I'm curious about to some extent, but really I there's more meat and potatoes in there that I really want to know about. And this just wasn't... Uh, Mostly I just want to know if you're going to fire your NPCs for wasting ammo. That's what I really want. No, I'm not going to fire them. I'm going to I'm going to complain to CIG that the AI is screwed up. I mean, that's what I'm going to do. Oh. I'm not going to send fire a stern them. letter to the employment agency. Or alternatively, with those uh, ships that have the EVA shoots, Jeff could fire his crew as ammo. <laughs> there you go. That's an idea. And once they hit the ship, they're in physical contact, so commence hacking. Give them a little handheld computer and, yep. and fire them at the ship. I think we've solved both problems. Yeah, now, look, I think so. now look, now we are a search and rescue agency. I do not really expect my NPCs to be firing a whole lot of guns. I do expect them to be giving mouth-to-mouth resuscitation because I ain't. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. Yes, well taken. I don't think they've covered the mouth-to-mouth mechanic yet, but I'm, I'm sure, sure it's that coming one in the next, uh, in fact, next week's episode. Yeah. For the chairman. I was going to say, you're a subscriber. Get the question in, Jeff. Around the Verse was light on new information this week, but there's a detailed look at the inside and outside of the redesigned Connie. Changes of note include interior detail quality is now on par with the Retaliator. The ship has been divided into four sections, cockpit, neck-slash-living area, body-slash-cargo area, and tail, with bulkhead doors uh, separating the separate sections. There's now a toilet-slash-sink-slash-shower combo stall in the living area, however. Continuing with CIG's complete disregard for hygiene, Toilet paper is no longer included. Along with the missing TP, the devs are not able to invert the lower turret like the Retaliator due to time constraints, but the field of view has improved. Additionally, the exterior of the ship has been completely redone. The detail level has increased, while the actual poly count for the ship has dropped by about half a million. 
There was a semi-major announcement snuck into Reverse the Verse by Sandy. Apparently, a next great Star Marine show will be going on next year. Similar in concept to the next great Starship, Sandy indicates that the focus will be on designing a Titan-class armor for FPS avatars. For those who don't remember, the Titan armor is the heaviest available personal armor a character in Star Citizen can wear. Initial submissions will be due in either late December or early January. More details will be released at a later time. Or as the usual CIG timescales go, late December, early January, add three months, so we're looking at, like, May. Marchish. May. May? No, yeah. May. no, CIG. It's a CIG month. You add three CIG oh, right. months. right. It's the CIG calendar. It's like the Julian calendar, or the Gregorian one. I always yeah. forget. Which one are we using still? Uh, Gregorian. The Robertsian calendar, if you will. <laughs> Robertsian calendar, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We're now in what? We're now in, like, uh, the year three in the, of the Robertsian calendar? Or four, depending on, you know, how you count the beginning of the development. Okay, I'm moving on. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it is interesting to me that, uh, you know, and I use interesting in the, the little air quotes, that the uh, ambition and the sheer uh, chutzpah of uh, RSI and CIG in developing these extraordinarily complex and detailed models, and now at the point of actually trying to implement the thing, we're gonna we're gonna scale back a little notch. We're gonna maintain, you know, the, the graphics are such that they're gonna maintain the overall excellent appearances of the ship. But it turns out we're gonna use more textures, a little less geometry. See, I'm okay with that though. I as think long as they still look cool. I don't care how it happens. Precisely, and I think that the artists at CIG employ are absolutely top notch. So dropping the poly count by five hundred thousand will just give you. You know, more polys to use elsewhere, or alternatively, bring the spec of the game down a bit so that your computer isn't on fire as you're trying to play. Bingo. Well, and I think those extra half million polys, you know, you're going to have a half million polys on, fewer on your ship. I'm going to have half million fewer on my ship. Jeff's going to have a half million fewer on his ship. Guess what? Now we can add a fourth player. Yeah. I think that's really where the rubber is hitting the road here because they're they're taking a look at this and going, you know, if. If this was a game, and we've mentioned this on the show tons of times, if if, it, if this was Squadron 42, probably not a problem. Yeah. Because then the, the level designers have uh, more or less complete authority over how many things appear on the screen at any particular time, and, they, and, and the window that they can operate in, they can basically dictate. But as soon as you turn this into a multiplayer thing, you don't know how many times someone's going to pop drones, or how many missiles they're going to fire in their salvo, or if... You know, as someone was worried about, the uh, NPC in your turret will unload every single bullet in the clip yeah. right at the very beginning of the fight and create all these objects that have to be rendered and stuff. You don't know. It just creates a layer of unpredictability. And so tooling down the poly count is probably a really, really smart idea. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, just going back to the other sorts of games that we played, any sort of MMO that has any type of social zone that also includes pets... Um, so you can pick oh, anything, basically Star Trek yeah, Online, right. Ultima, Lord of the Rings Online, whatever. You can guarantee yeah. whenever you get a lot of people together, they will start summoning everything they can do just because they can do it. So right. if you have a ship that you know you can deploy a million turrets on just to look cool, people are going to do that when they're flying around social zones just to look cool. So yep. the more spare polys yeah. you have, the better. And hopefully that'll reduce a lot of the uh, lag, in inverted commas, that they were receiving performance issues i think was the other inverted commas <laughs> performance issues about. yes yeah. yeah good good steps good steps perhaps a tad overdue but still good steps the lead fps programmer breaking his wrist will put a cramp or a break in any development cycle but cig soldiered on regardless with 2.0 
Apart from the casualties, the big problem for the devs this week was that a server degradation bug was preventing logins after extended play periods. A fix was apparently put in when the report was released, but more testing is currently needed. Overall, the task list is down to figuring out what issues are on a must-fix-before-release list and what issues are people-can-just-live-with-this-for-now list. Uh, Some of the other bugs and blockers of note include, there are four possible results when entering quantum travel at this point. Result number one is you end up where you want to go. Yay! Result number two, you end up right back where you started. Boo. Result number three, and this one requires friends, when your ship enters quantum travel, and you enter with your friends, you will all end up physically inside each other upon exiting. (laughs) Awkward. And result number four, uh, the end of the universe. Just a complete game crash at that point. And there is one other bug, which is that there is a labour dispute apparently going on with the workers at Cry Astro, as whenever you land, they just refuse to refuel your ship. More details are available in the actual post. See the link in our show notes for more info. And mini jump points solve a lot of problems. Mini jump points. Well, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that if they had mini jump points, though, you'd probably still end up with the same results, which is, you know, they're trying to travel from A to B, and you would just mini jump point back to where you started you'd mini-jump inside your friends, or you'd mini-jump and never appear and explode the universe. I also think that some other opportunities would be available, like turning into a bull of petunias or a giant blue whale. I mean, I think those things, I think some inter- more interesting emergent gameplay would arise. Yeah, they that as well. get an improbability drive hooked up to this thing. Yeah, that's, that's what we really need. Oh, you know what that means, though, guys? Tell us, Jeff. Yes, we do. It's time now for news we didn't use. Congress now, Vega 2, and Aramis becomes an official part of the UEE. Galactic Guide, Rator System, learn all about the academic hub of the Empire. Read through the history of how the Cutlass became the lackluster beast it is today, and how it's being fixed. Uh, They promise it flies a lot better now. November subscriber flare, it's a skull, albeit a weird one. Now, is it just me, or are they just getting sloppy with a subscriber flare? Well, you know, you, you, they're to- they're not toys; they're models, Jeff. I, I don't know I, if you know that. You know, I, I get the, the that. Attention to detail and handcrafted, you know, qualities. You know, these aren't toys, okay, Mister Travis. Go back to your station. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really weird though because the comic book guy slowly started merging into Sean. There. I don't have multiple personality disorder. I have sort of a multiple voice disorder thing. Unless I really nail something down, it can slide all over the place. But uh, come on, I mean, weren't you a little bit disappointed in it? Uh, it, it the amount of time I spend in my hanger looking at flair is practically zero anyway. For me, I mean, I've uh, again our our common ground or our past history here, Star Trek Online. I have been in that game since launch, and I have all the flare thingies and all that. It never comes out. I don't even look at it. I got the pre-order collection edition, and, and uh, I've got that little hollow ball and that little uh, flare gun. I mean, what do you use that for? <laughs> it's like To some people, it's a big thing. You know, speaking of, uh, like Lena was saying earlier, you know, when you're in a social instance and you'll do anything you can to drop other people's frame rate to zero, those things are useful for that. Blowing about a bazillion balloons in a social zone and racking up the poly count uh, of that social zone and, you know, causing people at lower end machines to, you know, crash and burn. So there's that, you know, that's 
a good time for some folks, I guess. But yeah, subscriber flare stuff. It's 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 nice. It's a tip of the hat. Thank you very much. Kind of a thing. I'm sorry you're disappointed, Jeff. You know the models and stuff that came out with the ships. I don't know why they're not continuing that because those are great. I mean, it, it's nice sitting in your office and and uh, you know all that kind of stuff. Those are. I don't know why they just didn't continue with those things. Just give a model every month. I'm sure people would love. Because they're busy redoing all the real ships. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, speaking of redoing the real ships, did anybody read through that uh, the Cutlass thing? It's it's an interesting little sort of you know trip down memory lane, and uh, you know you get sort of sort of behind the music look at what was going on. But it's just as as we approach towards trying to make the game actually work together and and work in the real world, it is overwhelmingly apparent that a lot of the really really ambitious design on paper goals just don't really work out very well once you try to implement it because part of the design process or the redesign process for the cutlass was also cutting back on the polys for that model too and don't take this the wrong way anybody this is good it's you know i think i mentioned many moons ago that you know the 80 percent solution that's the one you shoot for if you're busting your ass trying to get the last little 20% just so you can have a 100% solution, you're going to waste a lot of time and effort and, and heartbreak on that. Get it good enough. If you can cut polys and make it work, fan friggin' tastic. Do it. I'm just sad you didn't do it earlier. And this week's hazard index is rhetorical. Rhetorical as in not a whole lot going on. A couple of minor notes that we'll look into to verify the whole not 100% wrong track record that Mr. Smart has developed uh, regarding... Uh, in this week's instance, uh, it was last week's Avenger uh, commercial, and uh, it's potential interesting connection to this week's Cutlass report, uh, something I found in there, and uh, a follow-up to the whole corporate structure thing we did last week. Um, you know, newsflash, Delaware's still broken, uh, if anybody cares to know. And this week's community question, Hangar Player, did the devs get lazy, or is it a nice little perk for subscribers? Let us know your thoughts. Send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post on our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com. Now that we're all cut up with this week's news from around the verse, let's check out what's happening this Sunday, 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 Sunday in Nuggets for Nuggets. You have all flown before, but you're about to enter a whole new world, so pay attention. That means get on your feet, Nuggets. <laughs> Hey, you! Yeah, you! Stop sitting around watching commodity prices click up and down and come see some real ship-crushing action in the Sakura Sun and Kruger Intergalactic Reclaimer Rampage, Rampage Rally at the Jump Works at the Wheels Off Wreckway this Sunday! Sunday, Sunday! All your favorite reclaimers will be there. Hall Cracker! Deathclaw! The Completionist! Mangle Maniac! And Soleil Reaper! Watch as each five-member crew uses their turrets to blast through the obstacles. Stare in awe as they maneuver through the hazard course to get to the shipwreck at the core of the maze. Then, enjoy the view of the total carnage as the manipulated arms tear the salvage into pieces. Are you ready for some real excitement? Take your grandma home for an early bedtime after the Cargo Olympics. Then come down to Willisop's Wreckaway on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Tickets are only 200 credits for all ages. The first 200 to arrive get a three-liter Hydro Froze absolutely free. Come early so you don't miss the extra vehicular action. Each team sends a man into the wrecks for hidden treasures. Then the teams tear the loot from the shattered hulls in the Rampage Rally. 
Which team finds the best bonuses? Which team moves beacons and sabotages the competition? You'd have to be there to find out. Get your tickets now, or be dull like a vandal. On Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. Okay, buddy, what's on your mind? We're all friendlies! So let's just be friendly. Some say he threw a match for the mob in a bubblegum blowing competition, and his favorite weapon is the minty trident. But all we know is he's called the Shoove, and he'll put together this week's feedback. Should FPS be everywhere or only in scary places? Wussy old Tony doesn't want to go. That was our community question last week, dramatized by yours truly. And that is a very good question, and Sean Newboy answers it by saying FPS should be everywhere but the actual hangars with a little asterisk on it for a footnote that I'll get to in a second, and certain social zones. Wonderful show, everyone. Uh, terms and conditions may apply. There should be opt-ins available for those that want total danger everywhere, but there should be no options for zero danger. Osteron, our staff writer, sneaks his two cents in and says, It sounds like a number of the worries, not using that word, discussed in this episode come down to issues of gameplay versus immersion. It would be more realistic and immersive for the aliens to speak alien languages and for there to be unrestricted, universal, but punishable FPS but it still leaves room for certain individual players to get screwed over. I think erring on the side of immersion is the better way to go if CIG commits to actively monitoring the live game atmosphere. If they're going to spend all their energy just developing new content and only fixing things, quote, in the next patch, in three months or so, end quote, then they need to lock it down. Regarding the Avenger and Jeff's concerns that it's usurping the Cutlass possible roles of rescue or bounty hunting, I think it's worth bringing up that the Cutlass is a multi-crew ship, albeit one of the smaller ones. They don't have a single-seat bounty hunting or rescue ship right now, and the Avenger desperately needs some sort of identity given to it. Right now, it's just kind of existing as a ship that doesn't fight as well as a lot of the fighters, it's slower than a 300i, it can't haul as much as a hull A, and it's more expensive than an Aurora Mustang. They need to do something with it, or people will start melting them like butter for baked potatoes. Galen Rick Lothering writes in and says, Great show, guys. I'm a big fan of limiting where FPS should be allowed to happen for two main reasons. One, nothing becomes more annoying than trying to complete a mission quest only to have a bunch of griefers get in your way for no other reason than to frustrate you. If FPS is enabled everywhere, then the risk-reward model gets thrown out of whack. If the risks of getting boarded are the same... Why should a trip from Seoul to Nix have any additional penalties of Seoul to Terra, other than fuel and distance traveled? By making pockets where FPS can happen, add strategy to the game, and yes, the bank loan shark is going to take my ship legs if I don't pay up soon. But is it really worth going through the renowned shipjacking sector? And the Shiv apparently inserts himself into the feedback to say, I want FPS everywhere with lethal NPC response in line with the security level of a given location. Also, remaining life counter costs should be more for the bad guy and less for the good guy. That's what I want, I just don't know if that's doable. I really want the chance to test it out though. For example, having a dev notice saying, Grief stress test on ArtCorp today. Bring the dangerous. But also, mitigation factors should probably come into play. Yeah, I like the I like what uh, what uh, we talked or what uh, Gainlurk said about the bank or the loan shark. You know, is is going to come yeah. get you. You maybe you get a mission that says you have to go there, and then you have to decide. Well, I'm not gonna. You know, you can you can tie the NPC or the PVE to the PVP and make people make that decision. Uh, unless I risk a PVP encounter, the PVE universe is going to impose a penalty on me. Or like he was saying, have it be sort of a lot longer. So sort of if 
you're in zone A and you need to get to zone C and zone B is a PvP area, you might have to go like ZXY all the way sure. around the outside rather yeah. than cutting straight through the middle. That's that totally be. cool because I'm yeah. still in charge of what kind of game I want to play. I don't mind, you know, this this whole thing if as some of our listeners noted that the penalties were severe because he, here's the thing. If the pen, penalties are severe enough, then the griefing goes down. It's in those games where there is no uh, risk to being a bad guy that the griefing goes up, way up, to the point where people actually hunt out those that are less than capable of defending themselves. And I want the immersion. If I drive down to the corner store right now, who's to say there's not going to be a robber coming in, shoots the place up, and and robs the place? I mean, that's... uh, Yes, my risk is low for that, but it still means it could happen. Can and, and this is an honest question. I'm not being snarky or sarcastic here. Can any of any of us name a game or a system that has done that really well that we can point to and say, yes, that is a either algorithmically or through community manager or game manager observation and management that's handled well here. Look at that. No, I can't think of any game. Eve Online has a relatively decent system for the, literally the starting area but outside of that it's very wanting yeah so i mean it's like it's, it's, it's like a zero or a one sort of proposition right i mean it's either draconian or it's free-for-all i mean i i can't think of any game that either algorithmically or through human intervention has managed a sort of sliding scale of danger yeah i mean it should be one of those things that when you think about it is relatively simple to do like the further away you are from civilization the longer it takes before overwhelming support shows up so if you're in civilization you know it's like a second or two after somebody does an illegal shot before you know 20 cop ships sweep in or whatever here's the problem though because in this thing it's supposed to be all modeled right so what if the, the people programming the algorithm don't get the model right and the cops never show up in sector whatever? It's just they just never modeled it to happen that way. But it turns out that this one particular mission, everyone has to go through there, and then that's where the griefers perch. I can have my PvP slider set all the way to the, the, the one place or whatever, but because of the way the algorithm is modeled, there just aren't cops within range. Because it's all supposed to be modeled, right? It's all supposed to be... Yeah. I mean, yeah. This is why I respectfully disagree with our, our, our good friend uh, Jeff Osteron here. I think they should err on the side of locking it down and then tweaking it open in places until it, get, it gets right. Uh, because I don't think they're going to commit to actively monitoring the game. Well, I, that I agree with, Tony, because I, I don't think they're, it's going to be perfect at the onset. And I think they're going to have a lot of support tickets to deal with when these things occur because they, they opened it up and, you know, the griefers come out of the woodwork and start targeting people and killing them. Yeah. This is going to be a very critical system for this whole game, yes. the, the whole immersion factor, because if people don't feel safe in the game, they won't play it. Yeah, and I don't want to hear a lot of comments about Care Bears and stuff like that. I mean, the, the point of it is is that there is, there is a vast majority of gamers who want to go in and they've got their own agenda and they have their way they want to play the game, and if you can't offer a reasonable assurance that that's going to happen, they'll just go play something else. Now, there's also a population of people, let's be frank here, of people that like that sort of stuff, and those are the people that tend to spend ridiculous amounts of money on games. So you have to you have to cater to them, too, a little bit. That's reality. That's the way, that's the way it works. But I think that if you 
start out with the proposition that we're going to ensure that you can have the game you want to play, people that don't like griefing and, and PvP, but as time goes on, we're going to turn up the pain factor a little bit. We know you'll squeal. We know you will. And we'll keep dialing it up until we think that your squealing equates to leaving the game. And then we'll, then we'll, then we'll stop the dial right there. I think that's the way you have to approach it. Uh, if you start with the other way, you're going to chase all those, you know, steady cheeks and seats. I just, I'm just here to play my game crowd away. And all you're left are going to be with are the griefers. And they won't have any victims. And so they'll be, they'll, they'll be mad because there's nobody here I can pick on. And so they'll leave too. So I think you have to start it off with locking it down first and then gradually opening it up. And a general feedback this week, Phoenix Roleplaying says, I would like to spend more than 40 seconds in Art Corp without a crash to desktop. He's clearly found those universe-ending uh, weapons. And Dan Stewart says, on a note regarding uh, the format change, looking forward to expanded content. Thanks for the professional, well-assembled podcast. Well, and that brings up our new Patreon this week, Dan Stewart. He must really like yeah, us. Yeah, he must have. He must have thought we were really professionals or something like that and well assembled that's the first time i've ever been called well assembled and uh the winners of a brand new patch are jason envelopes are filled addresses labels are printed and this week's community question hanger flare useless fluff lazy devs or a nice little perk for subscribers send an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com or post in our show thread over at robertspaceindustries.com so how is the show did we hit the mark when we recorded on Friday, or do we need to re-record on Sunday? Sunday, Sunday? Either way, let us know. Here are some ways you can get in touch with us. Check out our forum post at forums.robertspaceindustries.com. Leave a comment on this episode's show notes at guardfrequency.com. You can also subscribe to us, feeds.guardfrequency.com, or find us on iTunes. You can hit us up on Twitter at GuardFreak, or leave a comment and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash GuardFreak. And if you're old school like us, shoot an email to squawk at guardfrequency.com. Your feedback's an important part of what we do, so take a minute. Tell us what's on your mind. And that brings us to the end of episode 97 of Guard Frequency. We'll be back with episode 98 on November 24th, so be sure to keep an eye out for our shows over at guardfrequency.com or the official Robert Space Industries fansite subforum. Please send us your feedback about the show. Aside from all the ways we just ran down, you can also use the contact form on our website. All the details for all the ways you can get in touch with us will be found in the show notes. Do you like what we do? Want to come help us make the best damn space sim podcast ever? If so, just send a note to squawk at guardfrequency.com. And don't forget about our sister production, Priority One. They cover the Star Trek Online and the greater Star Trek universe. Be sure to check them out at priorityonepodcast.com. Are you looking for a friendly wingman or two? Check out our organization, Guard Frequency Response, at the official RSI website, robertspaceindustries.com forward slash orgs forward slash guardfreak. And if you're not doing anything Friday nights, you should join us live over at guardfrequency.com forward slash live. We start recording around 11 p.m. Central. That's Saturdays at 5 a.m. GMT. We'd like to thank the entire team at Guard Frequency and the Priority One Network. Thanks to our community manager, Justin Shivery Bean Lowmaster, our artists, Ben Sanders and Simon Jordan Edwards, our staff writer, Jeff Grant, and our audio engineer, Michael Duncan. Thanks to our syndication partner, The Bass, and special thanks to Ronald Jenkins for his permission to use his music in our show. Visit ronaldjenkins.com for more of his work. But above all, we especially want to thank you folks for tuning in. If no one's listening out there, the deep black gets pretty lonely. Reduce thrust.
beat that one to death. I was going to say, we've gone in a bit of direction. I think I I can hear Jeff's facepalm. That's the thing. (laughs) There's one guy here who shall remain remain nameless, says that when that happens, he gets a weather woody because he just gets (laughs) super excited about about the weather. I'm gathering my thoughts here, trying not to make bad radio. (laughs) You've clearly never listened to a single episode of this show. Yeah, really, I was going to (laughs) say. It's far from good radio. We've made 96 examples of it, I I can assure you. Now, 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 we are the best damn space in podcast ever. That's that's true, that's true. Paging Mr. McComb. Mr. McComb, you have a period for comment here. Mr. McComb, no this comment. is your comment opportunity. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Nothing? Nothing. No, all right. You don't, you don't even want to talk about the missing toilet paper? No, I don't want to talk about... <laughs> no? Right. No. That was the one thing we hadn't covered yet, so I was going to give you that... Uh, That's because it's missing. So you can end again. the universe with weapons or the quantum drive now. That's true. That is true. That is true. And all I'm saying is mini jump points. That's all I'm saying. And there is. There can is I get one... naked first? Speaking of 96 <laughs> episodes of bad radio. Okay. Uh. <laughs> anyway, I just wish I'd get rid of the AFK timer. When, they, when this well, was first uh, brought in, there was no AFK timer. But now there's an AFK timer and it's just, it's just annoying as heck. Well, yeah, I mean, there's again, there's two ways to fix that sort of thing. One is mini jump points, you know, hey. Yeah, no, uh, mini jump points is a solution. But the other everything. thing is, is give people something to do while they're waiting. And in, in-universe radio station would be a fantastic idea as far as I'm concerned. Hey, I, I know hey. just the people that could run that, too. I, I, I've, got, I've got candidates in mind myself. So look out for the base coming to you in-game. <laughs> <laughs> Galactic Guide, Retor System, learn all about the academic hub. The shipyard sharpening the cutlass. Read through the history of how the cutlass became the luckluster. Be- luckluster. Wow, that's luck three for three. Like We're doing well. November scraps there. <laughs> four for four. Yes. Four for four. Perfect. You, 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 you punch it. First two hundred. I'm going to punch you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you probably need to. Ostron, uh, our staff writer, also come. Uh, 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 and that bring Hang on. Can you hear that beeping in the background? No. I got a watch. Oh, just about. Uh, Who's probably seems like it sounds like it's buried in this. I got a box who's getting up like at ten to one? What's that? <laughs> who's who's waking up at ten to one? I I don't know. I I, I brought in a box of a bunch of old electronics from the garage. Probably oh, so it's probably been going off in there for years. And just... Yeah. It's a hell of a good battery. Yeah. Hang on a second. Yes. Old watch. I think it's my wife's. Okay. I think it's your wife. What's it? No, it's my wife's. My wife's oh, wife's. Sorry, I missed the S. I was like... It's uh, my wife's. No, no, my... <laughs> your wife comes fitted with an alarm yes. like that to let you know when it's 10 to 1 in the morning. That's right, yes. yes. I, I've set, her, I've set her to go off at 1 at, uh, at 12.50 every, every night. Does she have a tiny calculator built in as well? Uh, yes. Yes, she does. Anybody want to beat on that dead horse anymore? It's practically glue at this point. 